It's time for the fastest hour of radio, Southern Race Week, with your host, William Barber. All right, hello to this brand new week's edition of the Southern Race Week Radio Podcast for you here on your local podcast destination, whether it's iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. We are really honored and privileged that you're taking the time to listen to this week's edition of the Southern Race Week Radio Podcast. And we really appreciate it while you're there to hit the subscribe button because if you hit subscribe on the podcast, every time we have our new podcast that is up and available for you to tune in and listen to, you will get a notification to let you know that it's up and ready to tune in and listen to. So whether you're listening to us in your car, uh, downloaded us, uh, listen to us while you're out uh, jogging, doing exercise, maybe relaxing at home, whatever you are doing, we really appreciate you taking the time to tune in to the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And we have another exciting edition of the podcast coming up for you here in just moments. But uh, first, before we get into who's going to be on the program this week, we've got to run down the racing recap of what happened in the racing world from the weekend of Friday, October 7th through Sunday, October 9th. And we began in the NASCAR world as two elimination races took place in the playoffs for the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series as Charlotte Motor Speedway's Roval Course. And taking a look at the action that happened in the Xfinity Series, it seems that A.J. Allmendinger pretty much dominates the Roval Course as Charlotte Motor Speedway. He has won four consecutive races on the hybrid road course slash oval, as well as back-to-back races following last week's win at Talladega Super Speedway. And, of course, he's already advanced himself into the next round of the playoffs with that win. Of course, he already won last week at Talladega, so that automatically advanced him into the round of eight. So congratulations to A.J. Allmendinger on his win at the Roval Course at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, Ty Gibbs was your runner-up. Noah Grayson finishing third. James Davison in fourth. And Justin Allgaier rounding out the top five. Now, as we mentioned, the NASCAR Infinity Series had their cutoff race at Charlotte. So that means four drivers will no longer be competing for a championship. Those four drivers are Ryan Sieg, Daniel Hemrick, Riley Herbst, and Jeremy Clements. Those are the four drivers, unfortunately, that will not be participating in the playoffs in the Xfinity Series, but these eight drivers will be. Noah Grayson is your number one ranked driver. All A.J. Allmendinger is second. Ty Gibbs is third. Justin Allgaier is fourth. Josh Berry is fifth. Austin Hill is sixth. Brandon Jones in seventh. And Sam Mayer make up the eight drivers in the Xfinity Series that continue on into the next round. Over in the Cup Series, Christopher Bell last Sunday, he needed a win to advance in the NASCAR playoffs, and guess what? He did that. An upset victory for Christopher Bell, who was one of the drivers who could have possibly not been racing for a championship, but with his win last Sunday, this past Sunday actually, at Charlotte Motor Speedway's Roval Course, he will advance into the round of eight in the NASCAR championship playoffs, but with that win by Christopher Bell, and knocks out the reigning NASCAR champion Kyle Larson from advancing into the playoffs. So uh, just a crazy, crazy uh, racing at Charlotte, which also it's a cutoff race, so a lot of jockeying for position to try to advance into the playoffs. Um, Kevin Harvick was your runner-up driver at the Roval. Kyle Busch finishing third. A.J. Allmendinger with his win in the Xfinity Series finished fourth. And Justin Haley rounding out the top five. Now, as we mentioned, this was a cutoff race, so four drivers will no longer be competing for a championship. Those four drivers include defending champion Kyle Larson, 
Daniel Suarez, Austin Sindrick, and Tyler Reddick. And now these eight drivers will move on to the round of eight and continue to fight for a championship that could be won at Phoenix here in just about, wow, a month away. We've got four races left in the season. Chase Elliott is your number one ranked driver. Joey Logano is second. Ross Chastain is third. Christopher Bell is fourth. Ryan Blaney is fifth. William Byron is sixth. Den Denny Hamlin is seventh. And Chase Briscoe rounding out the top eight. Uh, just to let you know, uh, no action took place over the NHRA this past weekend, but they will be in action this week, October 13th through the 16th at Dallas, Texas, the NHRA Texas Fall Nationals. Those are going to be taking place uh, beginning the 13th and run until the 16th as their uh, countdown to the championship continues in the NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series. And as I'm, and there you go. That is your racing recap from the weekend of Friday, October, October 7th through Sunday, October 9th. And we do have another exciting episode. In just a couple of seconds here, we'll hear from owner-driver of John Force Racing, the legend in the HRA series, John Force, as he recaps the team's 300th win at the Midwest Nationals uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then we'll hear from Doug Turnbull of the Performance Racing Network and talk about all the latest action from the silly season and also some of the issues that are going on with the next-gen car that a lot of the racers and drivers have been complaining about over the last few weeks. And then we'll talk with Christopher Bell about some of the lessons he's been learning as a participant in the NASCAR playoffs. All that coming up for you this week here on the Southern Race Week Radio Podcast. Hey, this is Brandon Jones, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's South. We continue on with this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio Podcast. And a very honored and privileged to welcome our next guest here via the Food Depot hotline. He is a 16-time funny car champion. He is a driver. He is the owner. He is the leader of John Force Racing. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in the driver of the Peak Antifreeze and Coolant Chevrolet Camaro. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. John Force. Mr. Force, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week. On Sunday Race Week Radio, sir, hopefully you're having a great day today, my friend. Hey, you're doing all the work. I'm amazed with that introduction, and I'm embarrassed uh, <laughs> to make me look that good, but I never heard my name done like that, so thank you. Well, That's Mr. Force, hey, well, Mr. Force, when we have a big deal guest on, we got to give him a big deal introduction, sir, and you have been a legend. And I know before we got on, you, when I said that you're a legend, you got kind of flustered about it, but you are, sir. You're a 16-time Funny Car Champion, the 1996 Driver of the Year, multiple awards as far as the NHRA Funny Car Championships. Uh, it's just a pleasure and honor to talk to you, sir. And the reason I wanted to have you on the program more than anything is um, not only because I'm a huge fan, but congratulations to John Force Racing this past weekend. You guys picked up your 300th career team win, John Force Racing. Tell us about the feeling over the weekend when you got that 300 win. Well, actually, Robert Height got the win. He won there at St. Louis. But Robert's been on a roll. His crew chief, Jimmy Prock and Cunningham, they do a great job. The drivers get the credits for the wins and the national records and all the speed records and stuff that they set. But it really goes to the team around them that they put together 
and um, we've got a brain trust with Grubnick, with Barlam, and this list goes on and on. Jimmy Prock, Daniel Hood, my son-in-law, and Fabrizi, and these guys are the ones that make it happen. But the records that we've set over the years, there's been a lot of drivers. Mike Neff, Tony Petragon, uh, the Fox announcer, he's announcing now. He used to drive with us. And the list just kind of goes on. Gary Dincham and my daughter, Ashley, and my daughter, Courtney, which have stepped out of the seat now, raising a family. But we get the credit. They get the credit. But then you got to look at the, the crew chiefs. Austin Coyle was there with me and Bernie Federley for all of the wins that I won, 16 championships and 150-something wins. But it's those guys that really should get the credit. They live it. They're in the shops at John Force Racing in Brownsburg, Indiana. These are really the brain trust, the guys that make it all happen. I wouldn't be a 16-time champ without them. And as much as you want to mention the team, the drivers, everyone around that is a participant in this, it all starts at the top, sir, and that's you, John Force. You're the top. One thing I do admire about your team, and I did watch your show back in the day when it was on A&E, is that this is a very family-like organization. As you mentioned, three of your daughters have raced for you on your team, and you got members of your family that are part of your crew and part of your team. So you really strive to make John Force Racing feel like a family atmosphere. Well, I know how it works. When I started in the beginning, you know, we were going from town to town. I couldn't even pay the team. We were lucky to get you know, fuel to get there to the racetrack, get tires and Goodyear's put on the car and, and nitromethane to race. And we just, but then along came the other part of the scenario, and that's the sponsors. I go back. I started with Chevrolet. Uh, I moved over to another brand, but I'm back with Chevrolet now for the last seven, eight years. Uh, we just signed again for another three years. I signed with Pete for another three. Cornwell Tools, been with us seven years. They're stepping up with us. So, the partners that make it all possible, NGK, these people that put in the money that allow you to hire the help, to do the testing. When I talk about credit to the drivers and to the crew chiefs and the teams, you got to give credit to the, the, the not only the people in the offices that write the checks and pay the bills, but to the machine shops and chassis shops and paint shops. i got a big operation in Indy like NASCAR, like the teams have. We have our own paint shops, our own decal shops. We have chassis shops. We build our own cars. Right now, they're building a, a throttle thing for me uh, just so I can get better on my reaction times to build the muscles in my leg. And then, of course, they build the engines, and the dynos are there, and they do it all there. And without all of that, which is paid for by the sponsors, we wouldn't be winning the way we have in, in the last 25 years. Speaking with John Force here, NHRA driver, uh, here this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio, 16-time Funny Car champion. And looking at your 300 wins, sir, half of those wins are from you, 155 career wins. Do you remember that first win you had, the first one? Yeah. That, well, you know, I raced another series. I raced in Camping World with NHRA, their series. Of course, I was with all the other uh, brands in the old days. But along the road, you know, I raced for uh, IHRA. I raced for AHRA. I won championships in AHRA and and uh, ADRA. <clears throat> but but the, the count is really based on the sanctioning bodies that I deal with now and I have in the last 40-something years. I went to my first race back in, it had to be in 70. Uh, well, I went to Australia in 74, 75. So, you know, I'm, I'm going on 50 years here. 
in another year or two. So I'm excited about that. But the first win with NHRA was in Montreal, Canada. And I couldn't wait. I had dreamed all these years (laughs) of getting a win. And here it is. I get the win. I get out the other end looking for Steve Evans, the announcer of those days, and Diamond P. That we do Fox now, but it was Diamond P. And I get out of the car, and there's there's no TV in Canada that was filming our race. I couldn't even do an interview. I always joked it was three Canadians standing there drinking, looking at me. And I got videos of it later that was sent to me by a fan that filmed it. So that was my first win, and then and that was with Austin Coyle. And then I bounced back into the uh, you know into the states a few weeks, and then I won Columbus, Ohio. And that was a weekend my daughter was being born. I ran from Winter Circle and took off. Um, the, the, the police gave me an escort to the airport so I could get there in time to get home to the traffic and to see uh, one of my daughters born. I think it was Courtney. And I made it. So that first win, though, was like you just think you're never going to make it. It's like first it was all I wanted to do was do a burnout like my hero, Don Purnell. Then I wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted to beat these guys. And, and I won some match races. And then I and then I finally won a national event, and then you win a championship. And then it, I won in 90 and 91, and then I lost in um, 92 to Cruz Petragon. Hamburger stand from hell. He drove for McDonald's. And then I went on in 93, and I won 10 straight. But it was the people around me that, that made all that possible and the sponsor money. So it grew and grew and grew, and I built it into this big machine. And, hell, the kids practically run it all now. Now, when you look at the NHRA, when you first started so many years ago to what is it, what it has become today, you're on Fox, FS1, you're on national television. Tell me about that experience, seeing the growth of NHRA from when you first started to what it is present day. Oh, well, it's unbelievable. I mean, not just the speeds. I remember when I ran 200 and then I made the 250 mile an hour club and, and then we go on to run 300 and hell, I ran 338 last week. And my daughter ran 339 in her top field drags uh, with Flavor Pack and those guys and Monster. So the cars have changed. The money that it takes to run the cars have changed. And NHRA, even going from the 1320, the the quarter mile, to the 1,000 foot, we're still back running faster and quicker. You know what I'm saying? Because you never hold a drag racer down. They'll find a way. But the sport has changed. The TV's gotten better. That We got hit by the pandemic. We survived the pandemic. Crowds are coming back now. We packed them in in St. Louis. We sold out two days there. So the people that run it, uh, Cromwell, that runs it, NHRA, they work really hard. But it's tough times right now. And we just got to keep moving, keep entertaining. We're in their entertainment business. Show the fans what we can do for them. But let them in the pits. They live with us. Autographs with the kids and pictures and just a way of life. Every ticket's a pit pass, they say. Yes, sir. So, uh, NHRA's done great, but the technology in the cars, you know, uh, the the computers on board, all of the stuff that it's almost like trying to fly an airplane. <laughs> I'm not smart enough to figure it out, but the crew chiefs do. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty amazing, the ETs, the speeds, and then the safety. Um, you know, I've been drug out of fires that should have taken me, you know, and these guys have always been there. And the safety and the shutoff areas and the high guardrails, they've put in millions of dollars to make the sand traps safer and nets and everything to keep us alive. Because if you go back, we lost, you know, a handful of years ago. Drivers, uh, Eric Medlin was a young kid that drove for me that we lost. You never get over that. And that's how I got in the chassis business, building safety. 
You know, I, I wear Simpson safety equipment I have for my whole career, which is just short of 50 years. And, you know, it's kept me alive all these years. Helmets and fire suits, got to give them credit. Yes, sir. And Mr. Force, one of the things about NHRA that really here in the Atlanta market we miss is you guys coming to Brazelton for the NHRA. So we really miss you guys coming into town. But luckily, there's a lot of great areas around Georgia and around this great state that we can always come out and, and see you guys race. Well, you sure uh, uh, you give me a lot of good time, good air, and your your uh, your show will spread the word of what we do in NHRA drag racing. And and uh, you know I've got sponsors like Auto Club and Chevrolet and these people that have invested, and uh, uh, we need to spread the word through you, through TV, through the fans, and you make it happen. So I love you. Thank you for that, and God bless the fans. Hey, everybody, this is Ben Rose, the 2021 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series champion, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio network itself. We continue on with this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast, and we're very honored and privileged to welcome our next guest here via the Food Depot hotline. You listen to him regularly as part of the Performance Racing Network. In fact, he'll be part of the PR and crew this upcoming weekend, calling all the action from the Charlotte Motor Speedway for the Bank of America Roval 400 race weekend. And he'll break down everything that's going on in the world of NASCAR. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in Mr. Doug Turnbull. How you doing, brother man? Mr. Turnbull, uh, thank you so much for joining us this week here on Southern Race Week Radio as we get set for Roval Weekend at a Charlotte Motor Speedway. You'll be part of the PR and crew that'll be covering all the action, so we appreciate you uh, taking the time. But I, I wanted to start off off the bat here with, uh, since we are based out of Atlanta, uh, Chase Elliott, one of our Georgia drivers, was able to advance into the next round of the playoffs after a big win at Talladega over the weekend. But normally it was always one of those races where you could probably see someone who's not normally a winner in the Cup yeah. Series often and pull away with a victory. But Chase Elliott, one of the playoff drivers, who I, I think this might be the first race that a playoff driver has actually won yes. since we started this it, playoff run. I mean, talk about you. Maybe the best way to put it is Tyler Reddick was a playoff driver and won at Texas. And by the time you get to the late in the going, there's a lot of drivers that aren't playoff drivers that potentially win. It took till race five of the 2022 Cup Series playoffs for a playoff driver to clinch their way into the next round by winning. I think that's the best way to, to put it. And Chase Elliott, say whatever you want about Talladega and it being a unicorn wild card race. But Chase Elliott, I think, needed to do that because their momentum has been really strange in these playoffs. I know each week is a new week, and they do always, almost always, bring fast race cars to the track. But considering he's had a couple of crashes, has had there was one week he was really off on speed, it seemed like. That, I, that you know, it, it started to throw some shade on the luster that's been an oppressive season. And if there was really one driver statistically that stood out at, above the others, even before the Talladega win, it was Chase Elliott. But a lot of that doesn't matter because you're in the playoffs where things are crunched together. If he had had a bad Talladega race, he would be coming this weekend into the Roval, a track that he's won at twice before, as we know, and leads all Cup Series drivers, active drivers, and road course wins. He'd had to come into this and be, you know, likely a must-win or a must-do-really-well scenario. And instead, he could just go on full kill switch at the Roval, not worry about stage points, and try to get another trophy. And also another signing just happened just recently this week. A.J. Allmendinger, who has been driving the Xfinity Series, in fact, uh, is in the playoffs right now as we speak, has uh, inked a deal to go full-time yep. 
with the uh, the Cub Series with Colin Racing. So tell me about what do you think about this move? A.J. Allmendinger has definitely made a lot of uh, good impressions with how he's been racing the Xfinity Series, and this is not the first time he's had some dealing with this racing team. Well, for sure, and I think what the Colin Racing needed in the Cup Series, number one, is a veteran presence, and you, you've got uh, Justin Haley, who, by the way, has done a far better job than he gets credit for as a rookie in the number 31 Chevrolet, but they needed somebody to stabilize the 16 car, and you followed the silly season stuff over the last few months, Alfie. You know, Colleg Racing was one of three or four teams that were in on Kyle Busch. That, that, I mean, nobody, you know, that's that was what the scuttlebutt was, right? And, and of course, he went to Richard Childress Racing. And so then the question became: Are they going to do the funded driver thing like they did with Hemrick and Gregson and deal, and then and swapping in Almendinger like they did this season? Or do they get some stability? Keep in mind, A.J. Allmendinger has run far and above the other two colleague cars in the Xfinity Series this year. He's come very close to winning the championship. He has not won a lot of races, but been supremely consistent. And when he comes to the Cup Series on a road course, he almost won at Circuit of the Americas, and he won at the Indy Grand Prix last year. I, I think that it's going to be a stretch to say that A.J. Allmendinger is a contender weekly, but I think he'll be in far better shape given this new Gen 7 car with a calling car than he was years ago in the number 47 when he had a miserable time with JTG Doherty Racing. Speaking with Doug Turnbull here of the Performance Racing Network, also the host of the 5 to Go podcast as we discuss what's going on in the world of NASCAR. And speaking of the new next-gen car, uh, Alex Bowman's going to be out this week because of a concussion. Uh, Cody Ware is out because of his uh, broken right foot and says he can't handle the demands of a road course. Kurt Busch has now missed 11 consecutive races uh, with the concussion. Um, and I know a lot of drivers, not going to name any names, Kevin Harvick, a lot of these drivers have been kind of folk, uh, very vocal about some of the <laughs> <Denny> issues. Denny Hamlin. <laughs> Denny Hamlin. Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott. Not Larkin. <laughs> you know, yeah, a lot of them. A, a lot of drivers. Yeah, a lot of drivers have come out and dis- have uh, vocalized their displeasure towards the safety and, and what's been going on with the concussions and injuries. Um, I, I know that NASCAR is trying to work on hopefully improving that for next year. What have you heard as far as uh, NASCAR and dealing with the situation with the next-gen car? I mean, I, look, I don't hear a lot of things any different than anybody that reads all of the racing news, right, like you do and a lot of other people. But it, it seems like it's weird. NASCAR is floating. Instead of getting in front of this and being like, hey, we know there's a problem. Here's what we're doing. It's sort of like they've remained quiet. They tried to downplay it a little bit. If you remember, it was, well, the data doesn't show they're hitting that hard. You know, that's what that's what the line was back around Nashville, Gateway, middle of the summer, right, was, oh, we're looking at the data, and they need to wear mouthpieces. And, the, you know, and it's like it's, it's more from, no, we're going to crash test a car very soon this month and, and test the rear clip and see and because the rear clip, the part, the rear end of the car has to be way more sturdy now to hold an independent rear suspension. That is a big difference between this and the older versions of the race car. That's, that's very, very rigid rear end makes the car more durable and even in better shape, you know, when you're in a bad crash, but when they pop the rear end, the driver's head is, absorbs that impact. And it's, and the drivers that they tried to, at least their line is they tried to do this quietly and it wasn't heard loud enough, so then they went really loud. So loud that Denny Hamlin said bad leadership is the reason that this race car got on the racetrack from the top down. That, that was the quote. And then he met with President Steve Phelps of NASCAR and, and dialed that back a little bit and said it was a few levels down from the top. He liked Steve Phelps. So where this goes is uncertain. I don't think they're getting an all-new race car. The costs for this car have been higher than expected. The supply line has been more constricted than predicted. And I think that the only way forward is to try to figure out that rear end and make it more collapsible. And if they could also somehow improve the short track racing, 
the road course racing and the super speedway racing, in some opinions, they'd have the perfect solution, but safety first. Now, do you see Chase Elliott being in the Final Four? I, I mean, it's hard to bet against him. Anything could happen. He could go lay three eggs in a row in the third round of the playoffs and be out. He's almost been out before. Shoot. I mean, look at look at the different wrecks that have happened. If we still have the tire issues that have popped up, which I think a lot of the opinion is pointing to more of the teams and air pressure on this tire stuff than it is a good year. But if you still have the tire issues of these freak instances with the car or a bad rear end crash that takes any driver out potentially, and I, and, I, and I don't say that lightly, but if anybody has to miss a race because of this seemingly innocuous hit, I, how in the world, Alfred, could we have predicted that there'd be 19 different winners this season that's tied for the most all time? How could we have predicted that Martin Truex would miss the playoffs, but Chase Briscoe or Daniel Suarez and all those guys will make it, right? It, this has been the bananas 2022 season. There needs to be a book written on this season. How in the world could I possibly pencil in or write in with Magic Mark or Chase Elliott? But he is running one of the best. Uh, Mr. Turnbull, as always, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. If our listeners want to follow along with you, as well as the 5 to Go podcast, where can they go to get information and follow along with you, sir? Any place you find podcasts, including uh, goprn.com and wsradio.com, look for the 5 to Go Racing podcast. I'm going to do an Instagram takeover for at least part of the weekend for Performance Racing Network for PRN from my vantage point in turns five, six, and seven, which are the turns exiting the infield of the Charlotte Road. I'll be up there uh, helping a large team of people to do play-by-play announcing this weekend. So uh, catch us on PRN. Get the PRN app or or your local affiliates, probably like the one you're listening to right now, and be sure to tune in Sunday at 2 o'clock, especially for the Bank of America 400K. Well, Mr. Turnbull, as always, we appreciate your time, sir. Good luck to you as you cover the rest of the season for PRN and the 5 to Go podcast, and hopefully we'll talk to you again down the road, my friend. You got it, brother. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys, this is Jansen Marshbanks, Tour and 12 driver of the Cars Tour, and you are listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network itself. We continue on with this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. We're very honored and privileged. So welcome our next guest here via the Food Depot hotline. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in the driver of the number 20 DeWalt Toyota Camry for Joe Gibbs Racing. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Christopher Bell. Mr. Bell, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week here on Southern Race Week Radio. Hopefully you're having a great day today, my friend. Yeah, man, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for being a part of the program, sir. You've been on uh, multiple times, so we're really glad to, to have you yet again this week as you are battling out in the uh, playoffs right now as you get ready for the Roval race at Shirley Motor Speedway uh, coming up this week. And now we know you got to win this season. You, we know you're kind of deep in the playoffs here. So tell me about your season overall as far as what you've done up to this point. What have you learned the most from this season, winning, going to the playoffs, kind of going as deep as you are? What have you come away as far as learning this season? What have you learned? What have you feel like you've still need to accomplish yeah i mean it's been a uh a, a great season overall you know to for me I, I think i've had my best season to date as far as top fives top tens um i wish that we were able to capitalize on a couple more wins throughout the uh, regular season to give a, a little bit more bonus points going into the playoffs so that was a little bit disappointing but overall just super proud of where we're at as a group and uh definitely have some some positive things to build off of so uh, we got a big weekend coming up at, at the Charlotte Roval. Uh, have a lot of high hopes, and and we know that we're going to have to go there and win the race if we want to continue our championship hopes. So we're focused on that, and uh, I think we should have a, a good shot at it, and and we're going to lay it all on the line, that's for sure. When you get ready for an event like this where you're kind of, like you said, you either got to win 
to advance or you're not going to be able to advance in the playoffs. How's your mentality? What's the mental status as you get ready for an event like that where you know you got to win? The mindset changes as to, you know, we points don't matter. So whenever it comes time to the stage ends, we're able to do whatever we can to better our track position and better our chances to win the race. Uh, and the Charlotte road, road course is one place that that differs. You go to a, a Richmond or a Homestead, you, you're not going to jump the stages. You're, you're going to take the stage points and still be in good shape. But at the Charlotte road course, the opportunity comes to where you can hit before the stage ends, uh, forego the stage points, and then try and better yourself at the end of the race. So that's one thing that I would expect the 20 car to do this weekend. Just make sure that we put ourselves in the best position we can to try and win the race. Being with uh, Christopher Bell here on this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio. Now, Christopher, one of the questions I always like to ask drivers when they come in is, you know, as a baseball fan, I go to a lot of Braves games, and I love it when players come up, they have their, you know, walk-up music, their walk-up theme to kind of get them ready to go for their at-bat. I know for you guys, usually the only race you get to pick music when you come out is, is, is Bristol. And normally other races you have, like, generic music as you come out. Let me ask you personally, if you had an opportunity to pick a walk-up song, when you get introduced at every race every every week, is there a particular walk-up song you would like to say? Because I think music really shows the personality of a driver. So for you personally, what would you like to have as a as a walk-up theme every week? Yeah, so for the last couple of years at Bristol, um, I, I've used Remember the Name by uh, Fort Minor. And that's a song that I always loved to listen to as a kid growing up. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's what I listen to to get jazzed up. So, and the lyrics have a purposeful meaning too. And as you get ready for a race, whether it's the Roval, Daytona, what Bristol, how do you get ready for a race? Because I know there's a lot of distractions going on. You got, you know, fans, you got your sponsors that are probably hanging out. You're taking pictures. You're kind of doing all the press, the, you know, all the pre-race stuff. When, when for you, do you kind of turn it on and, and you're ready to go with all the other distractions that go on for the pre-race stuff? Yeah. So the biggest thing is, is, you know, you're, you just have to get in the right mindset. And uh, for me, it's been easy for me to do whenever I get inside the race car and, you know, you get that helmet on and uh, once you fire that engine, it's, it's just you in the car and, and, and everything else goes away. So um, it, it's always been a light switch for me and, and I'll always be super nervous whenever I'm doing the pre-race stuff. Uh, but whenever I get inside that race car, it's all, it's all normal and all is right. Now in just a few weeks, the season's going to be over. You got the off season. You, I'm sure you spend your time hanging out and relaxing, decompressing. But as I'm reading here about some of the things, your hobbies and stuff like that, I see grilling is one of your hobbies. So tell us about your life on the grill. What do you like to cook? And and does it comfort you and relax you when you're out there grilling and kind of just cooking up for other people? Uh, yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I guess I would consider myself a steak connoisseur. So I, I love grilling steak. And typically my wife will do like the vegetables or potatoes inside and then I'll, I'll do the, the steaks on the grill outside so I really don't do a ton of grilling but whenever we go when we have steak or or chicken or uh stuff like that I'll, I'll be out there manning the grill and how do you like your steak because you know that's always important too to cut the, the right temperature and the right type of steak so how do you like your steaks I'm a medium rare person are you okay I'm a medium rare, so that's that's me. But medium well, that's that's good too. So, and as we I said, said medium this, rare, Me, medium rare for me too. Okay, perfect. And as we said, the off season's coming up soon. Even though you want to extend your playoff hopes, hopefully that does happen. But when the season wraps up, and and you and your wife have that time to yourselves, what, what do you like to do? Because obviously the season such a grind. You're at the shop 
weekends are out of the track or you're doing other events. I know you you have the short track event you did at Texas Motor Speedway a few weeks back. So tell us what what do you like to do with the missus when you guys just have some time, especially with the off season coming up. How do you like to enjoy that time with her? Yeah, it's always funny because you get in a routine of of thirty six weeks with one off week, so you don't really know what you're gonna do whenever the, the off season hits. But um, so whenever whenever it comes around, I'm sure we're gonna be that that first and second week. Like oh oh boy, what are we doing now? So I don't really have anything planned yet. Uh, so we'll just have to you know, see what, see what happens. I'm, I'm a big routine person. So I, I love to, uh, kind of make a routine and, and, you know, I'm trying to think of what I did last off season. I don't even really remember that. So, uh, it's been a long time since we've had a couple weekends where we didn't have to do anything. Do you like the schedule where you only had one off weekend? Because I mean, it's a grind. You got a lot of racing going on and it's nice to have those few weeks throughout the season to kind of decompress and relax. Did you find it helpful or, or a the or or not a positive thing to have just one off week in that long season. Yeah, I mean it probably doesn't matter to me. Um, you know, I'll be racing somewhere, so it, it really doesn't matter to me. Well, Mr. Bell, if our listeners want to follow along with your career, your progress, or anything that's going on in social media or purchasing your merchandise, uh, where can they go to keep up with you and follow along with what's going on with you? Yeah, I mean I'm on uh, all the social media platforms, so you can find me on there. Um, typically, that's the best way. Well, Mr. Bell, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us this week here on Southern Race Week Radio, sir. Good luck to you this weekend. Hopefully, we'll talk to you again down the road and enjoy your offseason, and uh, good luck to you, sir. Thank you. See ya. Hey, this is Rutledge Wood from NASCAR on NBC, and you are listening to Southern Race Week. All right. Welcome back to this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you here along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Alfie as we wrap up this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you. And once again, thanks to our great guest, NHRA driver for John Force Racing, the owner, the legend, John Force. Thanks so much for Mr. Force for joining us. Also, Doug Turnbull, the Performance Racing Network and NASCAR Cup Series driver for Stuart Haas Racing, Christopher Bell. Thanks to those great guests for joining us this week here on Southern Race Week Radio. And if you'd like to go back and re-listen to this week's edition or any of our previous episodes, uh, Southern Race Week Radio. You can head on over to either uh, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. This week's episode will be available for you on Monday at one of those at all of those podcast locations. So we we appreciate if you head on over there, listen to it, download it, uh, listen to it in your car, maybe while you're exercising, walking around, whatever your plans have for you, make us a part of your day. And while you're there, subscribe to the podcast as well. So as soon as the new episode is up and available for you to listen to, you'll get a notification and let you know the latest episode is ready. Uh, Also, don't forget about our social media platforms for you. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Southern Race Week or follow us on Twitter at SRW Radio. And if you like the Facebook page and follow us on Twitter, we're always bringing you the latest in racing news and information 24 hours a day and seven days a week. And don't forget about the email address as well. Anytime you'd like to send us a note, let it, let us know what you think about the program, or uh, maybe you're an up and coming driver who would like to get some exposure, come on the program and introduce yourself to our loyal Southern Race Week radio audience. Well, send me an email anytime you would like to. It's srwradio at yahoo.com. Once again, that is srwradio at yahoo.com. So enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll catch back up with you next week right here on Southern Race Week Radio along these far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. Thank you.